Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter, finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. Krishan Keller Hanna, call me CK, as she says, jumped aboard the indie writing train at the same time as a couple notable peers, each of whom quickly found success by going big. When she followed along, adopting their strategies, she achieved several external measures of success. Yet, despite her achievements, CK felt more and more out of alignment. She wasn't having fun anymore. Her body started to break down, and she quickly reached a crisis point. It was only when CK realized that she could, quote, be the mayor of her own small empire, unquote, that she truly began to flourish. She's now figured out how to align her actions with her intentions and design a life that works best for her own needs. And now, as we enter a new decade, she's ready to share her lessons with the rest of us. I hope you'll enjoy this masterclass on Going Small. Well, Krishan Keller Hanna, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Thank you. Please call me CK. CK. All right. I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) So for people who don't know you, I mean, there's a certain listenership who are involved in 20 books to 50K or may have been at the conference in November, but many more who aren't. So for those who aren't, what would you like people to know about you? Um, that I am a writer and an illustrator. I am the creator of the Shamsays for America universe, which has about 20 books out now, and we have another 15 to go in this phase one. Mm-hmm. Um, I also um, am a, cre- a pin creator. I have a site, a store, Caramel Sugar Evil, where we do not only... Um, not only our own original creations, but assets and charms and baubles from the Shaman Seat series. Hmm. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Part of my diabolical plan that we'll get into later. Oh, good. But, I, I like diabolical. Yes. But also in the Austin area where I'm from, I'm also a playwright and actor, a musician, and I'm also a patron of a lot of the arts here. Oh, great. So you really do a lot of stuff, which I imagine a lot of us creatives fall into that category absolutely have to because when you do something for a very long time it does get to be a chore it gets to be a job and Mm. what you do is you have to stop and find something else to um to exercise another muscle get another part of your creative mind going to refresh you to go back to the thing that makes you money yeah so what would you call that like is that like creative play or what do you 
What do I call it? I call it active rest. Active rest. Mm-hmm. Nice. Just I like have, when you're working out. Yeah, I have heard that term as well. And I like the spirit of it. Yeah. And so we started talking a couple of days ago in relationship to um, success and empire building. And, yes. Right. And so you've been on this journey. Would you like to tell us about that? Yes. And I'm going to set up some, um, some context for you Great. before that. I find that empire building, hmm. a lot of people talk about that. And I find it funny because hmm. the empires that we're building are very, very small. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think more of like being a mayor <laughs> of a small city or something like that, rather than an empire. Mm. <laughs> and I, I do. And especially the folks, and I, I'm going to make this assumption about the folks in your audience. I hope I'm on track. But the vast majority of us who are listening to your show are either starting it like, oh, I haven't put a word down or I haven't pressed that button to publish or anything else, or we're in the first few years of publishing. Right. To give you right. some context, right. Craig Martell, Michael Anderley, and I, three of us, um, we all started publishing 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Right. So even then, we're not, we're talking about less than five years. Yeah. So I assume that a lot of people who are going to be listening to me are, are, behind, well, starting after us, right? Right, right. And you're still very small. (laughs) You still are very small and there's so much to learn. Mm. And so um, when I talk about my story, it starts years and years before, but the part that I think is most important is starting in 2016 when I decided, um, I decided to write my first book and write my build my first universe, which was going to be high fantasy. And it was mm-hmm. the LSR universe. I know many people who are familiar with me or remember me from the old podcast um, knows that, um, knows that universe. And it was a wonderfully compelling universe. It was matriarchal. It had uh, several houses It um, very involved, very deep. But it was also very hard to go through as a reader because I was Mm. packing everything in this very small space. Mm. Mm. My books were maybe no longer than about 30,000, 40,000 words. Yeah. And that's a lot of things to pack into a very small space, especially when you're establishing a world that is the antithesis of everything you know. Right, right. And I loved doing it, but very few people showed up. Mm. And it was discouraging, but I kept on going because I absolutely enjoyed it. Right. And it's a good reason to keep going, by the way. Yes, absolutely wonderful reason to keep going. Yeah. Because there's something very addictive and very fulfilling about having a thought in your head. Yeah. And working through it, working through it, working through it, and then having this finished product with all the manifestations and this and the embellishments that you associate with 
a finished thing. In my case, it had a cover, it had copyright, it had notes, it had the little barcode, it had ISBN number. Mm. And I even printed out some in um, the romance novel pocket size, the 4.25.675 size, and held it around with me because it felt like uh, the the exterminators or the... (laughs) um, uh, I'm sorry, the Burroughs one, John from Mars. Yeah, 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 yeah. It felt like those little pocket paperbacks I used to carry and read all the time. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. And so... So you arrived as an author, you know, you must have had that feeling, yeah. I, it was an absolutely wonderful feeling. Yeah. But what I didn't realize, or perhaps I even ignored was that my body was telling me um, that I had, my body was telling me I had to um, work in a way that allowed me long ongoing success. Mm -hmm. And I was so intoxicated by the fact that I was creating that I totally ignored them. Mm. And one of the first clues was the fact that I had all this knowledge in writing short books. Yeah, yeah. And so I go on about a year later um, is when I meet Mike and then I meet Craig and um, we start communicating, helping each other. And I'm telling him about my books and he's reading him through and he wants to help and connected me with his editor, Lynn, who I absolutely love. She makes Mm. my pages bleed red. (laughs) Mm. And I started working more on my craft. And the more I worked on it, and I'm pausing here because (laughs) I'm trying to decide if I want to tell the long story or do we want to keep this within an hour? (laughs) 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 So the long and short of it is that I started working on my craft and the more I worked on it, the more these red flags came up that told me, hey, you you are best when you're doing this one thing. You're best when you're writing short or, Hey, you're Mm. best when you don't um, set yourself up with this ambitious um, word count for the day or, Hey, you're best when you do Mm. this. And I'm watching as Mike and Craig, who Mm. they're blowing up. Right. Right. And they're doing something, they're doing something that's outside of what you're best at. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking at them and saying, well, I have all the resources they have. I have the good stories. I should be doing this. And I started working harder Mm. instead of listening Mm. because I was looking at my success. I was looking at what they were doing, Mm -hmm. beating my ego Mm -hmm. and using that to define what success or what the empire was for me. Mm. And not only that, but I was still holding on to a lot of a lot of the traditions and a lot of the ideas from tradition, traditional authorship as to what a success is. Right. And what did you think that was? What that was to me was, well, having a physical book, mm. right? releasing at a few times a year, mm. right? Having these big word counts, mm-hmm. right? Having the New York Times or the USA Today bestseller list. Yeah, all of these things 
I had on a list. I, I probably can still find it because it's a physical copy of all the things I checked off. Mm. And I knew that once I did that, I would be a success. Right. And so I literally ran myself into hospitalization. Mm. Mm. After um, putting together, um, rebuilding the sh- uh, rebuilding my universe, because that, by that time I had stopped writing in Alazar, and I sat down with Lynn and Mike, and we talked about what a universe is at its very core, some place that people want to live that they can relate to and they can, um, they can um, get immediately. Yeah. And I could not explain the Alazar universe in 500 words, let alone a sentence. Mm. Mm-hmm. So um, I sat down and thought about it and I thought, well, well, what can I explain? What do I love writing about that I can explain quickly? And at the same time, I was reading um, the Bubba, Bubba the Monster Hunter series. Mm. And I absolutely love monsters, love Pokemon, love Godzilla, love the featured creature, creature features, all of that. Yeah. Cryptozoology, it's always been a big part of my life. Been on a few monster hunts and ghost hunts. Mm. Love it that mm. much. Mm. And I was already planning on writing a series outside the Elazar universe called The Zoo Crew, where this a mother and two daughters went across the country capturing the state's monster because every state has a monster ah. okay? uh-huh. so i had put that together and i was filling with that and testing those ideas and i was listening to bubba the monster hunter and he and he mentioned how he was the monster hunter for the georgia south carolina region mm. And that's mm-hmm. incredibly important because I was thinking, once again, I'm not paying attention. I'm going to do 50 bucks. They're going to be big. And we're going to have them traveling all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I heard that, I stopped. I was like, what if they didn't? Yeah. How would I break up the territory in the United States to make it more manageable? Mm. And so... I took out a map of the United States. I grouped them up kind of culturally. Mm-hmm. And um, while looking at that, I have to I have to stop and tell you, I read about 200 books a year. So if, you, if I mm. tell you that, I'm like, oh, I read this book. And you was like, well, you read this book and that book at the same time. Yes, because I, was probably, I probably have four books of them right now. Right. So at the same time, I was reading about... Um, I was reading about mental illness and um, the treatments for it. Um, it. Treatments for it, according to geographic location and the difficulty of getting psychiatric help in mm. in um, Sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. Right. I see where you're going with this. Uh, <laughs> right. this. This is like the beautiful creative alchemy right here. Like, this is absolutely wonderful yeah. because it is thought that in a in a lot of especially in West African cultures that a person who has mental illness is dealing with demons. Mm, yes, they're dealing with demons of their they're being bothered, and once they can figure out what their demons are and make peace with them, yeah. they can lead others to do that. Mm. And when they do that, they become a shaman. 
Mm. Mm. Yes. And so I was thinking, what if, what if we sit up there and attach that, that the leaders of these areas were folks who had dealt with their inner demons, have fought the most ferocious creatures, and then they rule and they guide and they police others' monster hunters. Mm. So I came up with, that's how Shaman States of America came to be. Mm. That's fun. Yeah. It absolutely is fun. Yeah. And I keep noticing those these words pop up, right? Like fun and joy. Right? Yes. And, right. And, and the funny thing is, while I was figuring this out, I was bereft of that. Mm. Absolutely bereft of that. But I was making money, though. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At that time, because yeah. I was working on other book projects, I was... Um, I was uh, working as an editor, um, building worlds for other people, mm-hmm. um, ghost world building, as it were. Yep. I was doing a lot of things that was bringing in the money. Yeah. And I was trying to check off, even with Shaman States of America, I was trying to check off these boxes. Right. And the farther I got into it, the harder and harder it was to sit up there and open up my laptop and write. Mm. Mm. because I was ignoring the things that gave me joy, trying to look at the things out there and try to compare myself to my dear friends. Right. So you were, you were valuing these external motivators over your internal alignment. Yes. Because all the creatives at some point, because of the way that the creative arts are seen in the United States Mm. have a need or craving to prove themselves viable as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times have you or people in the audience have been told, oh, oh, you're a writer or you're an artist or you're a musician? What do you do full time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you make your money? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so for those of us who truly want to make this viable, we kind of fall into this I need to show, I need to have social proof that I'm viable and valuable. I need to show that I make this much money so Mm. I can be seen as someone to listen to. Mm. Yeah. And all of that nearly killed me Mm. because I was so stressed. I was so anxious. Um, I was given to panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And for a while I just stopped writing and I wouldn't, yeah. well, I didn't go into therapy. I told my therapist, Hey, we need to talk about this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it culminated into a suicide attempt because mm. I had thought I had failed so hard. Mm. Now on the outside, I had everything that you would want. I hit the, the USA Today bestseller list. I, w- I had made six figures that year. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the writers who were working with me, uh, W.T. Meadows, he had become an Amazon um, Amazon bestseller. Right? Yeah. yeah. James Baldwin, who is was writing in my universe and then went on to blow up and lit RPG. Yep. Um, uh, he got his first orange tag. Yeah. Um, writing in my universe. Yeah. Wonderful things were happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I was miserable. Yeah. 
because I was doing the things that I um, thought were right, but weren't right for me. Yeah. I was by everybody else's, um, by everybody else's measurement, I was successful, but I wasn't in mine. Yeah, that's that's a really powerful realization, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm so glad you were willing to be vulnerable enough to share this journey because I think there's a lot of people that need to hear this. Oh yes, yeah. um, th- that is what <laughs> that is what kind of led me to the keynote that I gave last year. Yeah, at twenty books was taking care of yourself as an author because it was the pep talk that I really, really needed. Mm, mm. It was what I wished someone mm. sitting there and told me that your success and what you do is self-determined. Mm. If you sit up there and got enough money to add extra guacamole to your taco, you are a professional writer. Yeah. And even though you may do something else full time, we all have had work two jobs and we told everyone it was the sexier of the two. Yeah. That doesn't make it any less true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And a person who completes a book and publishes a book is just as viable as someone who completes and publishes 50. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so these are lessons you're internalizing for yourself at that time. Yeah. These are lessons that I'm learning and internalizing and wanting to share because I think people need to, people need to hear them or at least I did. Yeah. (laughs) And so once I made that realization that this is self-directing and I did not have to, I didn't have to show anyone else that I was valid. Mm. That was, I didn't have anything to prove to anyone else. Mm. That's when things started to get better. Mm. And just in time, because it was also the time where a lot of things, a lot of really bad things were happening personally with the folks I was working with. Mm. So that machine had to die anyway. Mm-hmm people couldn't do their words because of things that were like out of their control. And if you have any sense or compassion or grace, you let them take care of first and you let them allow them to come back. Yeah. 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 And I think that I'm like, I hate that these things were happening to them. Yeah. But if there was, I couldn't think of a better way to stop the machine. Hmm. The opportunity was there. The opportunity to totally just stop everything. Yeah. All writing, all production, what I was doing with marketing, everything. Mm. Let it fall to the ground in pieces around me mm. and figure out what to keep and what to throw away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing the past year. Yeah. Redefining what it means for Krishan Keller Hanna to be successful. Mm. Yeah. And so, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask, right? Like, so where are you landing with that? What is is success going to mean? Like, what are you keeping and what are you letting go? The first thing, um, I'm still figuring that out. The big question, the big answer to your question, I'm still figuring that out. I think we always are. (laughs) Yeah, we really, really are. But the first thing I realized was that being a full-time writer 
to mm-hmm. me. That mm-hmm. is, it is all you do for a living. Yeah. Was a no go. Okay. I I could not do that anymore. And I hate, actually, actually it's not so much I hate it, but it's dangerous for me Mm. to work from home Mm. without any any solid guidelines and boundaries Mm. or an external boundary uh, for my work. Yeah. Because what I will do is sit up there and just work into oblivion, work myself into oblivion. Mm -hmm. Right? So... Now, by this time, I had left my tech job. Mm-hmm. I pretty much retired from tech. And I'm working with this money, working with this income. Mm. And I had been 10 months just sitting and working at my house. I had not left my house. Mm. I literally, there was stretches of like 20 days where I hadn't left my home and talked to anybody. Yeah because I had no reason to be anywhere else um, other than the occasional game night in church. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that I was going to get a part-time job at my local Starbucks. Mm. Why? Because I have to get up, shower, <laughs> get into my car, <laughs> drive there, interact with people in meat space. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. I like that um, term from yes, cyberpunk. Love, yes. <laughs> you can tell what kind of nerd I am. Yes. Get my, out kind of my, my kind of nerd. <laughs> I had to get out of my own head and think about other people's feelings yeah. and their needs and everything. It also I also should point out that I'm also an empty nester. My yeah. girls are twenty three and twenty six, so ah. they're outside the home too. Yes. And my I drive my husband crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And I had to learn new things because I wasn't learning anything new. Yeah. Right. I had to move my body around. Yeah. I had to do, I had to exercise and move and engage. And so having that part-time job may have been one of the best moves I've ever made. And if I had to do it again, I would immediately left my job, gone on a vacation for three weeks and then hopped right into that Starbucks job. Yeah. It was as it's been absolutely wonderful. So and great. there's a part of me in the back of my head that's like, Yeah, Miss USA Today, best selling author. Yeah, you sitting in there slinging caffeine at Starbucks. I'm like, Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. And a lot of the people who sit up there and give me fluff, they probably don't make as much as I do. Yes, that is true. But that's not the point. Yeah. The point is, is that I'm taking care of myself. I am maintaining and upgrading my moneymaker. Yeah. My body, my brain, my spirituality, my right. well-being is what I use to make my money. And I need to keep that up. And this is what I do to do it. Mm. Right? And how many self-care routines pay? <laughs> <laughs> right? It is so much better than going to the gym. They pay you to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first thing I did was got a job that got me that was not artistic related. It was yeah. more physically demanding and yeah. got me out the house. Yeah. And socially engaging too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Socially engaging too. The second thing I did was I was no longer going to do rapid release. I was mm. going to fully abandon the marketing and the um, publishing schedule that had made Mike and Craig so much money. Now, I want to stop here and make this very clear because I get 
a little bit of this clapback when uh -huh. I mentioned it in 20 books. What Michelangelo and Craig do is very good and yeah. it's a good look on them, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it works and they for them. Do, it works for them. It works well for a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. And I'm not going to sit up there and vilify anybody because they wanted to 15,000 words in a day, if they can do it. Mm. Right. If they want to sit up there and write to market because that's what they love or that's what they enjoy, or they don't mind writing this and yeah. putting it out a quality work. Yeah. Right. Also, Folks like um, Michael was a computer programmer before mm. he did this. Mm -hmm. Craig was an attorney. These are people, uh, folks like Amanda Lee were journalists. These are people who are used to, for over 20 years, sitting down and pulling words out of the air on demand. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have that training to do that. Yeah. So there are a number of reasons why this will work for someone. Right? Mm -hmm. And just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't or shouldn't work for them. Right. But it's also, also the opposite is true. Just because it does doesn't mean it works for me. And we want to look at them and we want to emulate them. That's what they're doing is good work. But also you might want to consider whether or not it's good for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer that, there's a thousand right ways or there's 7 billion right ways and mm -hmm. looking for mentors who, like you mentioned these words like um, earlier intention, right? And, yes. and if we don't probe enough to understand what a role model's intentions are, yes, then we're in danger because we may be emulating somebody who doesn't have the same intentions we do. Right. And that could derail us, which is what you're talking about. And so you and the intentions you're talking about are going to make a great author spirit animal for somebody, right? Who, who needs the things you need. I would hope so because yeah. some people don't or can't go big. If you're anything like me, I'm dyslexic. I, um, I read a lot and I also listen to a lot of books, but it takes a lot of effort for yeah. me to do that. And also because of that, I don't type all that well. I don't type fast, mm. right? Yeah. And so my 1,700-word-a-day habit is, is right in the sweet spot. It's, yeah. it's 50,000 words a month, yeah. and it works for me. Yeah. And then it isn't just novel writing. Remember I told you that everything I wrote was shorter? Yeah. It's because I love short stories. Mm. One of the, the second thing I did was go through the list of books that I absolutely loved, the things I wanted to emulate, the things that I truly enjoyed. Mm. And I found out three very important things. Mm -hmm. Number one, I love a short story. I think out of my thousand books that I actually have in my house, about a good 400 of them are short story collections. Mm. Yeah. So you're clearly okay. informed and have a lot of taste subconsciously mm -hmm. in that area. Yes. Yeah. I really like the short story form. Two, I, <laughs> this is funny, I read a lot of cozies. Mm. I really, really read a lot of cozies and I enjoy that. 
And they're mm. also very short, very compact. Right? Mm -hmm. And they also involve individual cells of story within a larger world. Uh, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not like wide ranging empires of thought. It's a very no. personal story. Sounds very, like. Right, very personal story, very community based. Yeah. And the third thing is that I still love my monsters. Mm. But I like my monster stories to be more than jump scares, but how how one interacts with the world when they know that their job is to kill monsters that other people can't see and no mm. one will thank them for. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like uh, there's a personal story in there. Yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> but that's another long story. Yeah. But I will short it by saying that... Um, I was watching a um, a movie. A movie um, it's called Storm of the Century. It was written by Stephen King, and it was the only screenplay that he actually wrote hmm. for television. Okay. Most of his stuff are based on his other works, mm -hmm. but this one did he actually um, wrote himself. And I would watch that like almost daily for like three months. This is years and years ago, because of two things. Number one. Colin Fior was the star. He played the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And um, the second was because they had a commentary track with Stephen King talking through it. Mm. And I would listen, I would watch it with the commentary on. And the one thing that I remember more than anything else was that he described someone else describing him as writing stories about not the things that go bump in the night, but about the family who lives in the house where things go bump in the night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a much more compelling story that way. Yeah. yeah. And I've always internalized that because that thing that goes bump in the night could be a monster. It could be your dad or that creeper uncle or the feeling that because you're the wrong skin color in the wrong neighborhood, what will happen to you mm -hmm. on the wrong night? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that has a lot of applications, and I always enjoy exploring that. Yeah. And the writers who are writing for Shaman States of America now understand that on different levels. Yeah, yeah, they've got different flavors or themes mm -hmm. within that. There's very there's many themes, and then the way we set up Shaman States is that there are eight Shaman States grouped up. I'll send you a um, a file of the map so you can show folks cool and each author writes in one particular shaman state wt meadows writes in the shaman state of the south which is tennessee down to florida over to louisiana i re i write in texarkana which is texas and all the states surrounding and colorado mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um, um kate morgan writes in kingsland which is named after stephen king and the eastern seabird which includes bangor maine new york and boston while James um, Osiris Bobbin, he writes in Calafia, which is Pacific Northwest in California. Mm -hmm. you, uh, Vegas, Utah, and all that. So we have Mormon monster hunters and stuff like that. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. But, and once again, keeping it small, keeping it intentional. Mm. And yeah, knowing what things you want to write about was the next thing I did. 
And I realized very quickly when I overlaid that with stuff like Chris Fox writing the market, mm. oh, darling, I ain't writing the market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to write to market. So who am I writing for? Yeah. Yeah. And then the third step was finding that audience. Okay. Right. Oh, that's the part that I'm in now. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Because I love, I love like when it's an active thing, right? Because that's where a lot of lessons and insights. Yes. Because we're all in in a process, right? Yes, we're all in a process and we're, it's always changing. And sometimes when you talk about it, something mm-hmm. pops up and you're like, whoa, okay, I wish I had realized Right, you're, you're probably going to have ideas popping for the next two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I have to go back to who my idea reader is. Mm. Okay. Tell me about that. <sighs> My ideal reader is my friend Susan Meadows. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and it's and um when I actually made that realization, I had this long list. And I was like, mm. my ideal reader is somewhere between 25 and 45 years old. Mm-hmm. She's college educated. Mm-hmm. She, um, I may be able to, I may even actually be able to find it for you and read it. Great. (laughs) Yes. Um, yes. Um, uh, 25 to 45 years of age, um, that is based on when I looked at my ad data and folks who were clicking through, who was most mm. likely to click mm. and most likely to go through and join my mailing list. Mm. So that's how I picked up that information. Some of this is just A-B testing and throwing birdseed onto a dark space, the dark expanse, mm-hmm. and then seeing what grows. And then you gather that information. So the biggest thing I learned is that my core audience are females between 25 and 45, college educated, lives in the United States, Canada, mm-hmm. and Australia. Mm-hmm. Not the UK, but Australia. Okay. <laughs> where everything's trying to kill you, I guess. Yes, I, that is an emotional reality. <laughs> right? Yeah. Most likely, they also have children. Hmm. They have children or work with children or deal with children. Right. And I also found that out through um, my ads data. Hmm. Because I, I peeked and looked in some also bots and some just uh, alternative things that they were clicking on and through my testing. Yeah. Because one of the things we do is um, we have a short story library and a lot of it involve first hunts. Mm. In the Shaman States of America, um, this is truly a lifestyle. And your first hunt has to be registered by the time you were seven years old. Mm -hmm. If if you have more than one, if you have three siblings of the same gender, then Mm -hmm. all of you are required to hunt. And this is also registered. So we wrote short stories about the first hunts and... Uh. 
and as I promote those, that really got some response and it's still overlapped. So, okay, you have children or you're interested in children or something of that matter. Mm. Then I started doing cross promotions and the biggest, the folks who were the biggest fans of my series are folks who like True Blood, the, either the book or the series, uh, Monster mm-hmm. Hunter International, Dresden Files, Umbrella Academy, even the, either the book or the other uh, series, yeah. Deadly Class, the comic book more so than the show. Yeah. I hope that isn't because not a lot of people watched it. Um, <laughs> I did watch world, it, I think. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I loved it. I yeah, loved, I loved the villains. <laughs> Um, Discworld, mm-hmm. um, not so much anything else that Pratchett does, but Discworld. Right. Lovecraft Country, which is a standalone. This is pretty eclectic mix. You think so? Give well, me I'm, sure, I'm sure you're going to give me an underlying theme. And <laughs> yes. Think. And Harry Potter. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. The big things that these have is that they have large overarching Mm. but compact worlds. Mm. True Blood is in um, um, True Blood is in a small town. Dresden's Files says, I, oh, the, the Butcher fans are going to kill me because I forgot where they take place, where they take place. I did too, but it, <laughs> it has a Midwest feel, as I recall, right. like a Chicago right. kind of feel. Right, but it's still in the same geographic location. Umbrella Academy, same yeah. town, same city. Deadly Class was in the school. Discworld was on the Discworld. Just yeah. that. Lovecraft Country is Lovecraft Country in Monster Hunters International are the two outliers here. Mm. Uh, but they still have very pronounced worlds. Mm. And then Harry Potter, which once again takes place in horror worlds. Right. You know? And the UK, basically. <laughs> yes. And not Australia, but the Australians love me. I don't get that. Um, the, uh, <laughs> fans of mystery and thrillers. So folks, the most interesting folks who read me also read Lord Sanders. Hmm. And I was like, wow. Number one, it's that folks are still reading Lawrence Sanders. Mm-hmm. Because he was a thriller writer in the 60s and 70s. And one of his movies starred Frank Sinatra. Mm. And um, it was really good. And I didn't know Frank Sinatra had the range. But yeah. Yeah. Agatha Christie, which is the mother of the cozy. And Stephanie Plum, which is more comic, still kind of action, still very enclosed. A very enclosed um world the bird and but have lively creek um lively characters right mm-hmm. they are also uh, fans of comic books most of these that i've found were um narrative and character driven mm-hmm. things like um secret identity which is a um it's a DC comic with an alternate telling of superman origins um mm. superman is a known um a known entity, a known character in this world. And there's this guy whose parents are named John and Martha Kent. They call him Clark and ha ha, Clark Kent. And let me introduce you to this girl, Lois Lane, 16 years old. He gets a puberty, his balls drop, he gets superpowers. And that's mm. where the story starts. Mm. Um, Marvels and Kingdom Come, which are two legendary um, series. Do you remember Marvels? Yeah. And but, so you're getting really rich data yes 
Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I'm getting this from actually what I'm doing is kind of cyber stalking with data. My yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of cyber stalking and seeing what the what they actually um what folks actually respond to when I put stuff out there, when I um send folks in my newsletter. Mm. Um when um when the pixels come through, where are they coming from? Mm. Um, when um, I have, oh, I sent out a Facebook pixel or, or watch where people coming from, from my site when they, cookies, sorry, that's what I'm looking for. Um, mm. Cookies on my site, on my books and things like that. Mm. And um, let's see, what else? Uh, Saga, the Max, the Nail. Right. And, and Watchmen. And then mm. there's the video games. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, for your Final Fantasies, your Far Cries. Um, right. It just, it's, it, you're starting to see a pattern, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so with getting all that information, and this is maybe two years worth of work. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I did this during my dark time thinking that if I hit this, I'm going to blow up. Right. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when I returned to it, I looked at it and it's like, if I get this, I'll do something that I enjoy writing. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I put these together. I start crafting storylines mm-hmm. that are along this, mm. creating short stories. Mm. And then that's pretty much when all my writers had other things to do Mm -hmm. and I could slow down and decide that. And this is the fourth thing. Mm. I am not going to do another look of marketing or anything else until all the books are done. Uh And for however, how long that takes. Yes. I am going to do that. I'm going to dedicate myself to that because what that means is that if, Something's happens. One of my writers can't finish immediately. Yeah. They can take the time they need. Right. They can go at the pace that they need. They can take care of themselves and their families while doing this thing. Right. And this, this makes a lot of sense to me. And mm-hmm. particularly because the way advertising works these days, you're rewarded to have the full value chain already built. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's, it works better with the funnel. Yeah. It works with better with our binge mentality that we're developing. Mm-hmm. It works better with marketing. Uh, things like BookBub, they are designed, and they will tell you that too. They mm-hmm. are designed to promote a back catalog, not yeah. your latest release. Yeah, yeah, and they've got a much better return on investment than mm-hmm. than pay per click advertising. Yes, that. they really yeah. do. Why? Because the folks who are clicking these things are actually readers. Yeah. And if they like you, they will continue to read you. And if you don't have anything to offer them, then they do lose interest and you have to go through the process again. Right. So, so a couple of things occur to me. One, like for people who are listening in the audience, this realization would take the pressure off needing to do multiple things at once, like mm-hmm. multitasking. On the other hand, it it may add a pressure point of like, oh, then if I do it that way, I'm not going to be getting revenue in the short term. So what do I do? And you've got a solution, right? Right. 
Yes, I do have a solution. But before I get to that part of the solution, yeah, let me come back to um, another bit of context or convention. This is a business. Yeah, this is a business. This is a business. And anybody, any entrepreneur will tell you that the first year or two, you are sinking cash into it. Mm-hmm. You are testing your product. Mm-hmm. You're figuring out what works, what doesn't, hiring people, um, pouring out revenue. And if mm-hmm. you don't have the money to do it, I strongly suggest you save. Because mm-hmm. a lot of folks will, I, I will hear it talk about, well, um, I need somebody to do my editing for free or hire someone who's cheap so I can get this book out. No, no, yep. no, no, no. Spend the money needed to make a quality book. Vi- mm-hmm. A minimally viable product does not mean shit book. Mm-hmm. It means the most you can do with the limited resources you have. And if you find that you don't have the resources to put out the quality of book that you'll be proud to show people, Mm -hmm. wait, there is no shame in waiting. Mm. And a lot of folks like, well, when is your book coming out? Most of those folks don't think you're viable anyway, so they don't matter and they're not your audience. Yeah. So don't worry about folks who are not your audience. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, well, I might be turning away uh, revenue. No, because most likely if they're sitting there dogging you now, they're not interested. Right. When you produce it, when it's done to your standard, to the quality, and they read it, they may then, but yeah. don't worry about them right now. Plus, it's pay to play right now, so you're not really missing out on that much revenue. If no. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> really not. So... Yeah. Take the time and do the homework and put together a good work. You might think it's crappy or Mm. not quite to your standard, but it's the best you can do. You'll get better book by book. Mm. And I know that somewhat contradicts what I said before about doing some, doing quality, not releasing a shit book. Yeah. But your top quality still may be a shit book. Mm. Mm. It, It just may. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. If your best effort is kind of meh, okay, go to the next one because you're learning. You're learning to bridge yeah. that gap between your current skill level and your taste level. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm yeah. quite sure a lot of people know um, about the Ira Grass monologue about minding the gap. Okay, yeah. Please, br- have- please bring it up. <laughs> huh? You yeah, I have. Yeah, I think about the the difference between my ability level and taste all the time because my taste yeah. is always expanding even while my ability does. Yes. So I never, I never meet the bar that I have for myself. And that's good. Yeah. You want to get better, but you will always meet the level that it was before. And you look and you're just like, yeah. That, yeah. I, I did good work there. Yeah. But this isn't a reason to stop. That's the main point. Like you, right. You're not at your taste, but that's not a reason not to do it. No, that's not the, it's not a reason to stop. And it's also not a reason to go cheap. Yeah. Don't go cheap. Do the best you can. Your best maybe shit now. That's fine. Keep going. Mm. Mm. And so it's okay that it takes you a lot of time to get to that point and release it. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
you might find that you are extremely popular on the pirate sites, mm -hmm. which I found that I was. Mm. <laughs> when I look up my books, I noticed that I was, I was on the pirate sites. A lot of people love myself and a lot of people who were interfacing with me had not paid a single dime for my books, yeah. Yeah. which is great on one end and um, like really bad on the other. Mm -hmm. so I don't feel the need to, um, I don't feel the need to shame people because mm. honestly it doesn't work. Yeah. If you're going to go through all that trouble, you probably don't feel any shame about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You probably feel justified. Yeah. I'm broke. I'm just a penny. I've got a fixed income. I've got five kids, whatever. Right. Yeah. So Mike, the question then becomes what will give me the income I need mm. to finance Mm. this if people are not paying for my books mm -hmm. and so i go back to the drawing board and of all my regrets of doing mm. this my biggest one is not seeing this sooner mm. right now i'm in my artist studio which is um on the second floor of my house and on the wall here to my right is a board of five large black canvases filled with enamel pins mm. and buttons. I have been collecting enamel pins all my life. Mm. And I, um, I go to conventions and I pick them up. Um, anything, anywhere I can find them, I go and find them. And when I was working a convention for Shaman States of America, I made one pin, which is a traditional um, Shaman States um, skull stars and stripes. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I made it. It was a hit. It sold really well. And I forgot about it yeah. until about four or five months after that, when I noticed that a lot of people are, um, they are not buying my books. And I looked and see who these people were because they will actually have their, a lot of them will have their email addresses. Right. So I look and see, well, what kind of people more data are pirating my book. I swear to you, Ethan, mm. each and every Instagram site I went to, they either had stickers, lanyards, or enamel pins. Mm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking about that. I was like, if I had, if they are fans and they're fans enough. Yeah. Could I put something in the back of the book saying, hey, you like this? Here's a pen for Shaman States of America. And I thought it was silly and foolish. And so I created a pseudonym. I wrote something very to market. Uh -huh. I released it and released the pen with it. And it sold. It's still selling. I'm not mm. going to tell you the name of it or anything, but uh -huh. it is still selling now. And so I was like, and what I'm making more than covers producing the book. Mm. 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 So you're yeah. paying for the books with your pins. Yes. <laughs> with this very small two market, I make very clear, the small yeah. two market experiment. Right. And so after that, I started 
generating ideas for a larger store that covers not only Charm States of America, but just the general pen ideas and sticker ideas that I have and love and want to produce. Mm. And one of them, you're going to start seeing these in 2020, is called a book pen, mm. where it will have the pen and an e-copy of the book mm. in one. Mm. And all the new, all the current titles will be re-uploaded with, hey, hope you enjoyed the book. If you didn't pay for the book, yeah. <laughs> buy a pen, here's 15% off. <laughs> Go buy a pen. And that finances it. We'll call it Square. And I think it's a very fair way to, um, to still cover the income that I'm losing here. People who do not want to buy a book, but will certainly buy a physical item mm. and still, um, still cover my losses. Mm. And it's fun. And it is an act of recovery from writing because I'm, it takes me a long time to write. I can do four or five um, illustrations for pens and stickers mm-hmm. from concept to, um, to my, talking to my manufacturer in China within a day. Mm. So this is a really short-term turnaround to market mm-hmm. relative to a book. Yes, it is. Yeah. And it gives me the satisfaction of finishing something. It gives me the satisfaction of um, getting that physical object in my hand. Yeah. It, I get all the endorphins I, I, that you get from completing the thing and the mm. success you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you've got then it sounds like you're you're building this balance between these long-term projects right and yes. these short-term victories that pay for the long-term project yes which is super cool it is really cool and i feel more successful because mm. i am finishing and mm. I am creating this thing and my fan base, now that I'm talking to them and learning how to market, which is the fifth thing, mm. I'm learning how to tell the story of Shaman States of America. Mm. I'm learning how to tell the story of where I was to where I am now and why you should care. Mm. Becoming emotionally relevant, yeah. Yes, because what are the big one of the other big things that I was failing at before was buy my stuff, buy my stuff. It's good. It's great. You will love this. Why? People don't care unless they know what's in it for them. Mm. Yeah. And the most effective, not the easiest or the quickest, but the most effective way is for them to have some sort of emotional attachment, either to the creator or to the product themselves. And that is the phase you find me in now, learning how to tell the story. Mm. Okay. Mm. So how, just like in a quick illustration, do you have, like, how would you tell the story to a prospective Shaman States fan? 2% of the world population can see monsters. Mm. And if you can't see them, that means that you're part of the 98%. But don't worry. This 2%, they're organized by state, by region, Mm. to protect you from the things that will hurt you without you even knowing it. Mm. And this is their story told through seven different authors in seven different parts of the world. Mm. Right? 
And <laughs> this is this is, is literally the story of the people who are saving you. That mm. makes you sure that your life is peaceful. And who are these people? And what are they protecting you from? Mm. Right? Yeah. And it's something real life thing that we're being protected from, sounds like. Yeah, so especially in this day and age where the dangers that we face are kind of intangible and hard to explain from one group to another. Hmm. Hmm. Tapping into that there is something there. I don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? Yes. Tell me what it is. Tell me how I should protect myself. Hmm. Hmm. And then we have um, the Cozy series, which is still set in the Shamanization America universe, but it's the beauty bubble. And, um, and that's that story, the story of Poppy, the girl who was just too, busy, too happy to be a coroner. <laughs> too she's, happy to be a coroner. Yeah, she spent 25 years as a medical examiner here and for the APD and then for Williamson County. And she was just... A, a, Folks was like, you're too happy to appear for this job. But she <laughs> loved it. She loved chemistry. She loved science. Uh-huh. And one of the things that she always did was she would make soaps for folks, right? Uh-huh. And give them to the birthday. And she would sell them on the side. And then her retirement, she, she did her 25 years. Her retirement came up. And then the premier soap shop. Yeah. In this area called Jocelyn Square, which is near Westlake, which is our high-end neighborhood here yeah. in Austin, opened up and she bought it. And she is starting to learn the community and um, people still die. And now she has to investigate. She's finding herself having to investigate them. Right. And so <laughs> so this, is, this is very niche, and, <laughs> but very cl- it's very clear. So like... This is like one of my biggest like premises that I stumbled into and really believe is like, so you're talking about a character who is firmly in that like age wise into the mystery thriller suspense age bracket of like 40 to 60 something, Mm -hmm. but with a genre that's typically consumed by young adults and adults. And so the point of, right, it's very niche and you're committed, you committed to it. And I know, and I know from having done a little research that you found an audience for this idea <laughs> because you successfully ran a Kickstarter. Yes, I financed did. this creation, right? And I did. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I find it so amazing that. Um, I told this. I, I tell this story all the time. It's like I. It's a middle-aged woman. Um, it's it's a monster hunter cozy. Yeah. And and about a soap maker. And the first thing folks are like, I haven't read a soap maker before. Will there be recipes? I'm like, yes, there are recipes and crafts mm-hmm. in this. And they're like, sold. I'm like, okay. And not only that, but I also made them that of pen for it. Yeah. And, Unfortunately, with the Kickstarter, and I've been in constant communication with them, it fell right in the middle of my breakdown. So it's yeah. been, the rewards have been slow in coming out, but yeah. um, they know exactly what I'm doing. And when the print book comes out, they will not only receive the print, they'll also receive a map of Justin mm. Square, mm. and they'll um, receive an enamel pen. Yeah. 
edge, it'll be one of my first book pins, and they'll be getting that too. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> I enjoy it. And you, like, this sounds like success to me it right is. now because you're laughing, and I can hear your joy and the fun in it. And I'm guessing you wouldn't have thought you could have done this and succeeded this way three or four years ago. I never even thought it was an option. Yeah. That was the thing. I didn't think that there would, being small, mm. um, being slow, um, and not doing the one thing, but many things that culminate into a whole. Yeah. I didn't even know that was an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is. And it's a good option for me. And I, I suspect that it's a good option for a lot of people. Mm who believe, who look at what they want to do. And they're like, I don't even want to write one book. Or I love my job, my full-time job. I love mm. that. And mm. I have no intention of leaving that. But I still want to do this thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. I, I don't write as fast. Or I, um, I tried to go big and it didn't work. What do yeah. I do now? Am I truly a failure? Should I stop? The answer that is no, by the way, do not stop. If you really, really love it, do not stop. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, but I guess you need some different, like if you're not going to get like the short term return, like reflection and gratification, keep keeping going requires that you get some sort of gratification, right? Yes. And so like, what would you recommend? Like, for that, somebody that, who who who's, it may take two or three years before they've got something they can really monetize. Active rest. Yeah. Um, for some folks, it might be um, taking a week out of writing the book and writing a short story mm. that tells a little side story about the universe and putting that up, uh, putting that as a magnet, a reader's magnet to build your email list. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. If you have the artistic skill and ability, or you, or if you can hire someone, start drawing characters. Of uh, um, start drawing characters in your mm -hmm. world. Um, yeah. If you are, um, if you're like me, you love to cook. Start compiling. Okay, let me back up. Yeah. Build things like stores, brands, restaurants in your universes. Hmm. Mm -hmm. build those things mm -hmm. into your universes so you can do things like cookbooks and make logos yeah so yeah. you could do things so you can put them on t-shirts you can put them into enamel pens mm. you can have artwork made mm. yeah. all these very these shorter smaller projects mm-hmm that become real to you, that keeps you going. Right. And the Shaman States for America, by far the favorite character of all the Shaman States books is Dottie. And mm. she is the owner of the Dot and Dash Diner. Mm. And their slogan is, we're always- Dot and Dot. Dash, that's a great yes. name. <laughs> yeah. and, and the slogan is, we're always nearby. Yeah. And the, the little, the gimmick there is that if a hunter, from the moment the hunter um, decides that they want to go to the dot and dash, they only mm. have to travel 10 minutes and then they will find one mm. and will look like what it will reflect the area. 
So there was a dot and dash in the middle of the woods that was a log cabin. There was a gastropub dot and dash. There was um, red, white, and chrome diner, 50s diner looking dot and dash. Mm-hmm. There's one underwater. There was one in 1800. And <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, I have, I have illustrations of what the menu looks like. Mm. I did. I put that together when I was just totally disgusted with the book I was writing, mm-hmm. and I drew up what the dot and dash menu looked like. Mm. And I put all of those there, and I started co- uh, compiling, creating recipes for it. Yes, there's going to be a dot and dash cookbook. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you do that are quick turnaround that um, get you to finished and success while you're working on the larger thing. Right. So you're talking about quick wins, really. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Quick quick wins that fortify a habit. Mm. Yeah. So I like like this. And it, it sounds like, you know, if you've got this time, two or three years, you've got time to maybe even if, with active rest and creative play, usually there's like an association that maybe you're not good at this other trade or skill yet. Right. But maybe in two or three years of playing around, you can be. Right. Because we are, once again, when we first start something, Mm. there is going to be a discrepancy between our first attempt and the example that God is interested in it. Mm -hmm. These are things that, Writing and art, these things are taught. These things are learned. Yeah. I don't believe in the concept of natural born talent and that is um, the only folks who can succeed in a thing. Yeah. I'm so glad you say that. Yeah. I believe that too. Strongly. Yes, absolutely. You have to believe that this is something you are able to learn. And if you um, if you engage in improving skills, if you find mm. out where you're lacking mm. and improve those skills yeah. and find out truly what you enjoy and find other people who enjoy that, there are yeah. enough people in this world that you can make a living doing just about anything. Yeah. It makes it makes me think of like, so when I was growing up, I always loved to sing, but mm-hmm. I wasn't any good at it. And if I publicly expressed that, people would tell me I shouldn't sing. I should focus on what I'm good at. And then, you know, fast forward a few years of lessons and not ever stopping. Mm-hmm. People go, wow, you're so good at singing. I could never do that. And it's like, eh, you know. Yeah, you could. It was that like, reminds- yeah, you can. And it's the same thing I get in. I want to just bring this up. In the author community, we are so good at telling people, pay for a professional cover and don't do it yourself because you're no yeah. good at it. And why <laughs> do we do that to people when people tell us that about writing? Why do we tell people you can't be your own cover designer? If oh, takes, they tell you that. Yeah. Uh, let me answer that question. Yeah. I, I know that as someone who's done that. Yeah. Uh, because the best if you're looking to sell, once again, this is a business and a product. Yeah. If you want to have a product that looks polished yeah. and appeals to a certain audience, you need to know the underlying 
pieces involved to making it that way. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. But now, having said that, yeah, my favorite covers of yeah. my books yeah. are some that were done by artists or myself. I mm. love them. Yeah. I will not give them up there or on my walls. I love them. And as I continue this, I learn how to make covers. Yes, that's that's the point I wanted to get at is if it takes three years to build your backlog of books mm-hmm. that you're going to market, that's three years you have to get good at making covers if you want to. Yes. And I do, and I make all the covers for my short stories. Yeah. Well, with the exception of First Hunt and the curious case of uh, Dr. Threadneedle, those were created by um, Jeff Brown and um, Helen Etrebeck, um, yeah. respectively. They yeah. made those short story covers. But the rest of them, um, Twelfth Night is the one that I'm most proud of. Um, one of the holiday Shamsay Starbucks, I did that cover. Yeah. And it's a market improvement to anything I did in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I made the I made a bad bad sci-fi covers Reddit last year. Oh, I consider nice. that an accomplishment. <laughs> as long as you take it in good humor and understand it, well, you know it's process. intentionally bad, right? You know, it's part of the point. But oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but these things are learned. Yeah, and oh. Uh, you do have to spend the time learning these things. So don't get discouraged. Yeah. You will get there. And in the meantime, go for the small wins mm. and develop ways of making those small wins also pay for themselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're talking about a business here. We are absolutely talking about a business here and, um, now, me working here in the room that used to be my daughter's, mm-hmm. um, doing a part-time job at Starbucks, um, waiting until these books, including the books that are coming out in 2020, are done, mm-hmm. and so having just submitted another pen design, mm-hmm. I consider myself so much more successful mm-hmm. than I was a year or two ago, mm-hmm. because this actually looks like the life I imagined Mm. when the thought full-time author came into my head. Right. And that is in the end, the reason why we're doing this to build the life that we flourish in. Right. (laughs) I know a lot of people think about, putting that on hold until they've accomplished success so that they can pay for that. Right. Yeah. But that comes in the journey itself because once you make that money, guess what? You still got to do the work. Mm. (laughs) You still have whatever it is that you're doing. You still have to continue to do it. So why not enjoy it and Mm. go for those small wins Mm. and make all of this part of the process of which you built this life? Yeah. 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 So, CK, how can people find you? Oh, yeah, they're going to have to take a flight to Austin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like a fun way to do it. It really is. And if you're in Austin, hit hit me up. Um, You can find me at shamanstates.com. 
Okay. Find my books there. Um, we are um, retooling the site a little bit there. Mm-hmm. You can also um, follow me at um, sugarevil.com, which is my enamel pins. Mm. And if you want to join my mailing list. Yes. Yes. I have like 14 of them, so make sure I'm giving you the right one. Ah, it's book.bookfunnel.com forward slash Shaman States Shorts. Mm. And what that has is the the short stories, starter short stories for all the current um, series in Shaman States of America, The Mantle. Mm-hmm. Um, the Soloist, Curious Case Files, Dana Kane series, and um, Steelheads. Great. I'll look. I'll look forward to enjoying those. Hopefully, others will as well. Yeah. So, CK, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the this podcast. Has been, this has been a blast. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you thought so. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast.